Hey, this is Gerd Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love. Inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Tundel and this week is the final episode about surrendering. So every month we have a theme, this month is surrendering, next month is sobriety and then so forth is resistance. And so this month we are ending this chapter talking about the power of really surrendering and coming back home to yourself and, and listening to that inner voice that we always had, we've just forgotten. And interestingly enough, this week is all about surrendering in the full kind of moon aspect. So last week we had the full moon, a week later is all about surrendering. So letting go of things that no longer serve us, letting go of things that we're holding on to, letting go of thoughts, patterns, beliefs situations or even relationships that are no longer serving us and helping us to grow but also allowing ourselves to just be in the present moment and we don't have to be chasing the next big thing we can really be in the moment and allow ourselves to receive that wisdom and knowledge that we kind of need in this moment and so with this person she embodies so many different things including surrendering And I really want to honor that because what she went through is something that many people still haven't got over. And so she actually saw the Twin Towers collapse a block away from where she was working. And she talks about her own journey of how it took five years to overcome this and how she went back to her purpose and how she's now sharing her medicine and helping others to heal. And I think, oh my God, that is so beautiful. That's why I thought, let me leave, let me introduce her towards the end of this theme because it's such a powerful episode. Now, rather, Metro Midkiff is a life coach and director of the Integral Yoga Institute in New York. She's a certified yoga instructor since the age of 18 years old, and she teaches others how to lead a mindful life. Hi, Rather. I'm so grateful to have you on the show, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, bless you. Well, I just, I'm really excited to share your story because you have a very unique story of where you came from and what you're doing right now. So for the listeners, could you share what your life was like before you became a yoga instructor? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, that's an interesting question because um, I was basically raised, born and raised into yoga. So I kind of, well, maybe I remember a time before being a yoga instructor. I don't remember a time before yoga. Um, wow. My parents got into yoga and meditation back in the late 60s. Uh, they were studying with a, a teacher named Eknath Ashwaran out in California. And so they started meditating. They became vegetarians. They were kind of searching, looking around. They were hanging out with Self-Realization Fellowship and the Hare Krishnas and just a little bit of everybody. And then when I was about one year old, my father went to a lecture uh, by Swami Satchidananda, uh, the founder of Integral Yoga, and just immediately felt so connected to his message and his mission that that then became our main focus and we joined that community. And so I was raised in Integral Yoga. Uh, I did 12 years of Integral Yoga schooling. So wow. I studied um, basically was, you know, immersed in studying yoga and how to integrate yoga into your daily life from the time I was, uh, seven through 18. Wow. And then after that had the opportunity to work in many different capacities within the integral yoga community, particularly at Yogaville in Virginia at our international headquarters. And then, um, Sort of, uh, I think, yeah. So I basically became a yoga instructor straight out of high school. So when I graduated high school, I was a Hatha yoga and Raja yoga instructor. Wow. What a journey. It's so interesting because like, so I come from a background um, where meditation, I grew up with my whole life. 
And I didn't really understand it when you were a kid. Um, so my my parents are like I come from a Sikh background, so mm. meditation was like, in my blood. <laughs> and so mm. I'd go to the temple every Sunday and sit there and watch people and meditate, but I didn't really understand it. And it wasn't until probably my mid twenties that I came back to it and realized how powerful it was and what it actually was. Um, but I think sometimes like when you're in something you don't always understand it but the fact that you know from a young age you were already immersed into it and you became a teacher I think that's so powerful yeah and I think they really wanted to make sure that in school we weren't just mimicking but we really understood the reasoning why we were doing it what the purpose was behind it now that's not to say in my 20s I didn't go off and start doing all kinds of other stuff yeah. um <laughs> so We've there all was done definitely it. <laughs> there was plenty of that happening um but certainly when we were in school they our our instruction and the way that they taught us again it was very experimental at the time you know there weren't I guess so it's interesting because in the United States they had a couple yoga groups right that had schools okay. so there was integral yoga in Connecticut and then Ananda Ashram had a school for a little while and then interestingly enough the only other people who really like had kids that they were raising kind of in this environment like that uh, were the American Sikhs right so um, the 3HO and Yogi Bhajan people yeah so yeah. their kids they actually sent all to india to be trained oh my um, god so we were really some of the only kids that stayed in the u.s and trained in this yogic environment wow wow was it confusing though because like you would you know when you at school like a different school environments and stuff like that and friends that you might have grown up within the community like because in outside of that was it quite confusing so uh, probably around like when I was about 10, I fell in love with theater. So I used to, they, we had like a local theater company with the school, um, with one of the local high schools. So I would go over and actually do plays and engage with other kids. Wow. I also had a lot of older siblings. So my older siblings had to go out into public schools because um, our yoga school didn't go that high at the time. Right. And so it wasn't so much confusing. I definitely think like uh, for me, I was I grew up around the same group of kids. Um, we went to school together sort of from like, you know, day one all the way almost through high school. So we suddenly had our own identity. Um, and there were moments that had a little bit of cultural shock for us when we integrated into different places. But we were also, you know, we were a little exotic and interesting. And <laughs> so I think in that sense, um, it they looked past some of the, the strangeness. But even when um, in junior, our junior year of high school, some of the kids wanted to go to public school. So temporarily, they sent all the kids into public school. I okay. spent about three months there before I was like, no, this is not for me. I need to go back to yoga school. <laughs> um, but when we integrated in, uh, this was like in the 80s. And so the people were still really scared about yoga. They didn't know what it was. They thought we were a cult. So, you know, the kids would transfer out of classes from us or cross the hallways when we would walk down the hall. And there was this thing like, don't look them in the eye because they're going to do some sort of voodoo on you. Um, oh so I think that probably that was some of the hard stuff. Like there was a lot of... Um, you know, people would be like, what, yoga, yogurt? Like, what are you talking about? And so there was a lot of misunderstanding, but for mm -hmm. the most part, what I love is that in yoga, you have these tools that are naturally given to you mm -hmm. on how to deal with people yeah. of all different varieties and different beliefs and all of this stuff. So, you know, it just gave us an opportunity really to be like, oh, they're not mean, they're not trying to be hateful, they just don't understand and so, we get to react with, you know, compassion. And if they're being negative, we just get to disregard that negative behavior and just focus on loving them and being kind and, you know, showing them who we are, which is not, you know, some crazy cult, <laughs> sketchy people. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine though, before the internet, how confusing people would have been. So I can imagine all these preconceived ideas, something that's a bit different, it's not in the box 
then there must be something wrong with them. That's just that, that's just how humans think, right? And so, oh yeah. <laughs> so they really and back then again like there was not the exposure that people have now yeah and i think um people forget that you know yoga was not always popular people it's hard to remember right the time before yoga mm. was popular now because it's so popular um yeah. but certainly back then it was people had no idea what we were doing and if you said meditation they were just like what are you talking about like i don't even know what you're talking about whereas now i can go like i could go out onto the street and say hey do you meditate and i bet you know nine out of ten people would be like yeah i've meditated <laughs> it's kind of like i think i remember hearing god this was probably years ago oprah talking about many many years ago when it must have been in the 80s where she first talked about spirituality and being a spiritual being and she had to ask the audience do you understand what i mean and they were like no can you explain it and so it just shows mm. how far yeah. things have shifted. And for me, like like spirituality meditation has been my life, like since I was a child. And so that's how I knew it at the temple. But then going to schools, like normal schools, where like um, I, there was hardly any people of color in the year, I was having an identity right. crisis because one one place is saying be kind, be humble. The other place is greed. You know, succeed and. It was like a constant battle between mm -hmm. right from wrong and it was very confusing and complex and yeah it took probably like I was saying in my mid-20s where everything shifted um and that's when I realized like you like you can be successful but you can have compassion it's not it's it was a very confusing time growing up for me like and and figuring out who I was and and my identity and again like I looked a bit weird I had long hair a long plait I didn't cut my hair like because that's some of the beliefs that you have when when you grow up in Sikhism. Um, and so I had that kind of like people looking at me and questioning me and being a person of colour, like, are you allowed to go clubbing? And, you know, silly things like that. And you'd have to like explain, <laughs> right. are you having an arranged marriage? And I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> you know, I spent my whole life explaining it. And, and I look back, I think, God, that, that, how naive were these people? Like, but again, it wasn't their fault. We didn't have like the internet. And I guess that was probably the first person of colour friend they had, you know, they'd never mixed in that. And so... Yeah, good on them for asking if they didn't know anything better. It's also funny because, like you, I've spent my whole life explaining. And so now it's <laughs> actually funny to me that I don't have to explain. So sometimes yeah. I start explaining and people are looking at me like, I know what that is. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. Like, <laughs> this is a different world now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I don't have to explain to you what chanting is yes. or what a mantra is. Like, you know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. It's just so peaceful. Like certain things like you have in cultures and people are like, oh, I've heard about that or I've, I've, I've experienced that. And you're like, what? Oh, okay. And you're like, oh, thank God. I don't have to explain it now. Like, you're right. When you spend your whole life explaining it's like an automatic pattern within yourself and you don't even realize you're doing it because it's become our norm. But yeah, I want to yes. go a little bit back to something that you mentioned to me in a personal message about um, a long time ago where you were at a place um, and something happened. Would you like to explain? Yes. Yeah, so as I was saying, in my 20s and <laughs> I was not exactly <laughs> living a totally yoga lifestyle, so I actually ended up in um, New York. It was like the third time I lived in New York for me. I really just like to live in New York City or I like to live in, you know, the country in Virginia at our ashram. Yeah. Um, so I end up in New York City and I'm working for this temp company and somehow I end up getting a job on the Wall Street of all things. I'm working for this incredibly successful hedge fund, wow. living this really lavish New York lifestyle, right? Like. Um, back then, you know, uh, the brokers would pay for everything and we'd go out all night wow. and we'd go dancing and go to fancy restaurants and they'd send us home in car service. And um, I was just, yeah, we were eating out at like these incredibly expensive restaurants. Like my life was just really very worldly at that point in time. Um, and then this was in 2000 when I came up. And so, of course, I was working there um, for about two years. And in the midst of that was September 11th. So I was working at 140 Broadway. I was a block away from the World Trade Center when the first building fell. Mm. And um, basically, when you see those 
those videos online, like that was literally me. Like there was nowhere to run from from the Destin degree. Finally, we got inside, but um, oh, so you not only did we think like. Yeah, so we were like standing there on the street and all of a sudden the building starts falling. Um, oh and it's literally a block away. So we're just like, you know, I remember sort of my mind being like, oh, the top of that building is tilting and it's falling. Oh, that building is going to fall on the buildings next to us. Oh, wait, that building is falling. I got to run. But there was really, there was, you know, it all happened so fast. And so um, I was able to get back into our building um but again there was just dust and debris and we didn't know what was going on and they put us down in this basement and we didn't know whether the whole of lower manhattan had collapsed around us oh my god um wow. so and we i mean we thought maybe we were gonna die down there buried alive like we really had no oh. idea what was happening wow so eventually that day they you know they get us out of there and we walk back across the brooklyn bridge but then 10 days later, um, through like this <laughs> really, you know, such a New York situation, mm-hmm. the guy who owned, had just bought the lease on the World Trade Center also owned our building. And oh. so because the World Trade Center had just collapsed and, you know, he was one of the major developers in New York City, they wanted to make sure that as many of his other buildings as could be opened up and functional um, could be opened up. And so this particular building at 140 Broadway was the only building on all of Broadway for like blocks and blocks and blocks that was open. But it was literally like right in front of like Ground Zero. Like there was just like this old park that was in between us and Ground Zero. So here we are 10 days after we come back to work. And then every single day, I mean, we come back to work and it's like, guys with machine guns like standing at the subways i mean it was we had to show ids just to be able to get out of Mm. you know the subway it was um really intense and then here we are just faced with ground zero day after day now i was raised in a very sensitive environment yeah and um i would say i mean i don't think really anybody had tools to deal with that mm-hmm. but i certainly did not have tools to mm-hmm. to try to deal with that and our teacher Bananda, at the time was still alive and so he spent a lot of time talking to me trying to guide me Aww. and he kept saying to me rada you either have fear or you have faith there's no in between mm-hmm. and i would just be like but 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 you don't understand like <laughs> this is too much like yeah. i can't wrap my head around this this yeah. the horror and the death and like everything mm. so i ended up staying up there for about a year wow and then one day was just like i can't take it anymore i got to go back to virginia mm. so i end up going back to virginia and then 10 days after i end up back in virginia swami sachidananda passes away in india oh no he had been like my grandfather, my guru, my guiding light. Um, mm. And now here I am at this point in my life where I am suffering from severe PS- PTSD. Mm. I didn't know how to deal with it. So I was going to see, um, I went to go, you know, see a psychologist and they were like, we're going to put you on medication because they didn't know what else to do with people. So they were just giving everybody a New York Xanax. Oh my So God. I ended up with like a really bad Xanax addiction. Oh no. I know. But you <laughs> see, that's the thing in those days. And and not even just in, and, that, and I can relate because I, I almost ended up on antidepressant tablets when I was 21 after an accident. But luckily I'd spoken to a different doctor after before going on that. Like I was like, I explained what had happened, but there's all... <laughs> They'd never take time out to actually sit with you and say, okay, could it just be this? And you need like therapy or you need support. It's just like, here's a quick fix and off you go. You'll be fine. Absolutely. And certainly then like even the therapists were, had PTSD, right? So yeah. everybody <laughs> in New York had PTSD and nobody knew what to do about it. So everybody yeah. was just like, well, let's just numb ourselves. If we just mm-hmm. numb ourselves enough, then none of us will feel it. So essentially I just, spiraled down 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 till about 2005 when i just hit rock bottom 
I mm. literally, um, I spent most of the summer of 2005 in the hospital. I um, oh. had two uh, suicide attempts. One was very serious. Mm. Um, and I really just completely like, you know, and the curse the interesting thing was, and this is where my yoga comes in, right? Yeah. I could sit there in meditation and be 100% fine. I'd be like, I'm totally at peace. I feel so good. Everything's fine. Then I would get up out of meditation. And the minute I would engage my brain, because my mind at that point was so out of balance Hmm. that it would all just go crazy. But I was like, you can't live in the world and just sit in meditation 24 hours a day. (laughs) Like, that's not really possible. So I just really was struggling. And I kept trying to tell everybody, like, I'm okay. Like, the witness still knew. I'm not the body. I'm not the mind. I'm okay. Yeah. But the minute my mind got engaged, it was just like if your body is ill, right? At that time, my mind was ill. So there was really, it was like the mind just couldn't function properly. Mm-hmm. So basically, at the end of this summer, when I was like, all right, you know what? Like, my only job today is like kind of to stay alive. I'm oh. just going to start from ground zero again. And I ended up going into DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, which is based in Zen Buddhism. Wow. And they started talking about things like mindfulness and, um, you know, how to emotionally regulate yourself. And as I was learning all this, I was like, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. (laughs) This is yoga. And so as I started to recognize the yoga, I started going, hey, 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 I have these tools. Mm. Why am I not using these tools to to get myself back on track and to heal myself? Now, the other really cool thing that was happening about this time was when um, Western science really started getting pretty excited about um, doing studies and measuring now how meditation affects you, how yoga affects you, like how breath is starting to affect you. So now all of these things that I had known growing up is being backed by science. Mm. So now you're going in and talking to a a psychologist and they're saying, I think you need to start integrating meditation into your, your practice. You know, mindfulness is something that's very important that you'd be practicing multiple times a day. And we're going to teach you all these mindfulness techniques. Mm. And so things started to just click, 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 click. And I was like, I, I can bring myself out of this. I can heal from this. So it took about, I would say, five, six years. Um, then I met my husband, and he was Aww. really a great support also to really help ground me and, and get me um, straightened out. But now, I know that's a lot of story right there, but what was really powerful for me is I think if I had never gone through that experience, if I'd just like been raised in yoga and my life was great and happy and whatever, <laughs> I don't think I could as practically help people as I can now, because now for me, um, I know that if you make these teeny tiny changes, you can affect your depression, your anxiety. Um, You can heal yourself from PTSD. You can move forward. Um, And of course, even since, you know, 2010, I would say, um, the science has just like exploded in the last couple of years, the studies being done on neuroscience and yoga yeah. is really, really exciting. So now it's not that I just say, Hey, do this breathing practice. Now I can say the reason why we're asking you to do this breathing practice in this way is it's going to affect your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system in such a way that is going to balance us out. I'm asking you to do this particular pose because when you do this pose this way, it's actually going to boost your serotonin and your dopamine and reduce your cortisol. And Mm -hmm. so there's all these things now, even the chanting, we know that like when you're humming OM, right, that actually vibrates from like your thyroid, first of all, which is such a huge controller of all the hormones in your body. Oh my God. And it's toning your thyroid, but also the way that it vibrates in your skull is actually like vibrating in your brain and creating like these little electrical impulses that can happen. So all of this stuff is now being studied in a science, like a Western science way. And they've of course only 
you know, touch the tip of the iceberg yeah. <laughs> of the magic of this 5,000 year old science, but it's still pretty exciting what, what we're creating and what we're able to measure today. All I want to just say is, wow, what, powerful, <laughs> what a powerful journey you've been on and what an, I know it sounds like what, but like also an exciting journey that you were able to come out of the darkness and into your light and the knowledge that you already had as a child that you'd forgotten came back and you were able to utilize yeah. that and now help people like that is the biggest magic in the world like I honestly believe that and like even with my own journey like I've like I'll explain it a bit later but like I've had a lot of trauma growing up and stuff but that's why you're amazing at what you do and why I'm amazing at what I do because when you have experiences like that you are able to help people easily than say you read a textbook you know, there's a lot of therapists, yes. you know, coaches or healers or yoga instructors who've never experienced that deep level of trauma that you are able to help people with and, and, and the same as myself. And that is why people relate to you and relate to myself, because we understand that pain, that isolation, what it feels like to be stuck for years, not knowing why we're feeling that way. And then suddenly realizing we have these tools, we just needed to come back home to them. And so exactly. that is why I think a lot of people suffer sometimes going to certain people. And, and this is not a judgment out there. This is just from my personal experience of like with my own clients, like they go to like therapists or like healers, but those people haven't healed fully and they project their their trauma onto the onto the client and then they then don't feel heard. But when you have done your deep level of inner work, which you have done, my love, like since a young age and, and vice versa, like we are there to then help them to understand and not project. And that is what's powerful. And, you know, the fact that you what you saw, like, my gosh, I don't even think many people have still got over that. You know, and I'm not saying that you probably have gotten over it, but, you know, having the tools that you have, like, wow, like if they had those tools, like, my gosh, they would be able to take their power back. Um, it's, it's not. It's and not I think. Easy. Go for it. Yeah, I think especially like post COVID, we're seeing a lot of trauma mm. that people have gone through because of COVID. And so um, it's not even just like the leftover trauma from that but we had there's so much trauma going on in the world right now um you just walk down the street and people look yeah. so tired and so you know like uh, accosted by yeah. everything from wars to the covid stuff to infighting and just all this craziness going on that if you're not learning how to cope with it um it will start turning into disease right this yeah. disease in your body and it starts in this like energetic level and then it starts to like congeal down into your physical space. And so these really simple techniques that somehow these yogis intuited, uh, you know, thousands of years ago can be so powerful to help bring people out of it. And it's a journey. I mean, I am not by any means done. I yeah. learned something every single week i would go back and read the same teachings that i've read since i was seven or five wow. or however old and i can read it the same passage today and because of where i'm at in my life i have a new awakening a new realization around it and then it becomes you know really really powerful even for what i'm going through now so it's not even just like horrible trauma that it's good yeah. for it's yeah. like no matter what stress you know, family stuff, whatever you're going through, these ancients had these beautiful teachings that were, you know, supporting our health and well-being on all levels. Oh, 100%. And there was just something that you said earlier on, which, you know, you were saying like, you know, you were seeing it every single day, you know, what happened, but also like, um, oh God, what was it? I forgot now. <laughs> um, <laughs> damn it you know how intuition is sometimes. now we know we're having a good conversation <laughs> exactly oh what was it oh yeah so um you know you were saying you were finding it hard and like you, you know letting it go it was because you're an empathetic soul and when you're an empath and you're highly sensitive it's not just your pain you were taking on you were taking on everybody else's pain that was around you in the building or wherever you were in that vicinity and so naturally it was going to affect you on a deeper level until you knew the tools of how to protect yourself and how to transmute that. So, yes, yes. And what's so fascinating to me now, right? So I 
when I left in 2002, I was like, I am never going back to New York, not in a million years. <laughs> like that place burnt me. I want to have nothing to do with it. I have no intention of living there. Then fast forward, um, I do all this work on myself. I end up going into like, you know, I end up getting a degree in business. I go to leadership training, all of this stuff that's sort of shifting and changing stuff in my life, bringing me to a different level. I'm literally sitting in my own home, minding my own business in Virginia. And um, the uh, interim executive director of our yoga center in New York reaches out to me and says, we need a new executive director. You need to come live in New York and take on this job. And I was like, not on your life. Are you out of your mind? I'm not going back to New York. That's crazy. <laughs> and she's like, look, you're so uniquely positioned in this organization. And this organization is going through a struggle right now. We're, mm. we're moving from this time where like the founders are, you know, aging out and they're getting older and some of them are passing away mm. and we need to move into how we're going to, you know, sustain ourselves into the future. And you are this funny little <laughs> interim where you've been around as long as the founders, but you're so much younger than them that then you can kind of see us through to this next stage. Hmm. So, you know, I did a lot of meditating and praying and, you know, arguing with God and guru and saying, I don't want to. Um, but I end up moving back to New York with my husband and my dog. And so one of the fascinating things is the biggest lesson that I have had to learn in being in this job and this time in New York is again about fear and faith. Mm -hmm. And part of that comes in surrender, which is another thing we were talking about, right? Of like yes. learning to surrender to what is happening. And I love so much when I was doing um, DBT back in 2005, yeah. they had this term called radical acceptance of reality. Yeah. which to me is like the ultimate surrender. Like, I'm not going to try to wish it was different, ask why, you know, anything. I'm just going to look and radically accept what is sitting before me right now and then just start to deal with it. So mm -hmm. in this journey um, over the last two years, I was listening to a, a, a podcast of Swami Satchitananda one day. I've listened to him thousands of hours of him talking right wow. and every time you know when the right thing comes it just comes and someone asked how do we know it's god's will and he said because it is done and something clicked in me first like had never clicked in me before like that where i was like wow. that's it i can't do anything at all about anything that's done everything that came before this moment I might as well not even worry about it because I can't change it. Oh, it was God's will because it's done. Yeah. And for me, that was like the ultimate surrender of like, I just have to sit in the place and the moment I am right now. Yeah. And just accept everything that's happening to me around me. And then yeah. in this moment, say, okay, how can I move forward? How can I exist in this moment that perhaps will change that so that we're not repeating the past? but also not dwelling in whatever happened before this moment and just moving forward. Oh. And honestly, you know, my job is crazy, crazy stressful. Um, <laughs> being, it's like being an entrepreneur, but having a bunch of yogis involved too. And yogis, uh, I think we, we spend a lot of time analyzing our own minds and awareness. And so it also um, creates a lot of opinions in our, ourselves <laughs> um so even though like everything has been so challenging people are like Rada, how are you still smiling and laughing and joyful and you know okay and i'm like because it's just that surrender of like well it's yeah. done yeah i i can't do anything about that now yeah so i made a mistake so i you know i mean big stuff happens sometimes like teachers don't show up for classes and I'm like, oh God, now we have to cancel the class and all these students are gonna be so mad. What am I gonna do? I could get really stressed and worried about it. Mm -hmm. Or I could say, this is perfect. It's done. I can't undo it. I just have to go 
be compassionate, loving, see how I can support the students in this moment, and then just move forward. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's a pretty great way to live, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. And, and that is the theme of this month is all about surrendering from within. And oh, it's just so fascinating, like how everyone who has been on the show this month is it's taken them to go through severe like darkness to get into the light to really just mm. surrender into the moment and say you know fuck it it is what it is I can't do anything about it I can't control it I trust in what what is happening right now and just allowing it and receiving what the medicine is there and I really re relate with everything you're saying rather because like my personal journey I grew up with a lot of health conditions I had eating disorder I had depression I had anxiety I saw external family members go through mind health issues that nobody should ever see at a young age and mm. you know but it's but it's my journey right so like it, it like mm -hmm. you know people go oh and I'm like but it was it's fine like it's my journey because I wouldn't do what right. I do now <laughs> and so yeah like I I saw horrific things and like my own health would just go down but again it was the whole thing about you were talking about the throat chakra I didn't know how to speak my truth because I grew up in a culture where it was people pleasing and sacrificing and being a good Indian girl and smiling you know everything is perfect yeah. but but inside everything is a mess and I'm like a hot mess and all over the place and it's funny how I ended up in the journalism world because I didn't have a voice but I was trying to I guess go into that world to get a voice and it's only oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize this until recently. And I was like, oh, I was trying to get notice and like be like, this is my work and be known for it. And I wanted to be a health journalist. And I did go into that route. I, I lived in London. I'm, I'm still in London now. But I, you know, I went through the whole city life as well. And like, I, in the end, I didn't enjoy what I was doing. I was running with like toast in my mouth, my shoes in my hands. <laughs> You should have seen me. I was a hot mess. Like, I've had that toast in the mouth experience. I know that one. <laughs> Just running and you're like, oh, my God, and like running to get to work. And like, yeah, I, I had all that crazy chaos and I didn't know how to slow down. And I grew up like I was, we were talking earlier about like meditation. I grew up going to the temple every weekend. We'd go to like late nights where we'd like chant Vaiguru for like hours. Like I grew mm -hmm. up in that environment. I used to sing on stage, Kirtan, like, you know, as a young girl, like I, there was a lot of things that I grew up with. But again, I didn't understand it because of the cultural confusion. And then I get to like 21, I have a car accident. I have short term memory loss, kind of ignore it because I'm GERDs and I can toughen up. And that's how I was raised. You toughen up, you get on with it. Kind of like how yourself, like you got on with it. You didn't really notice what was going on. And then several months later, I couldn't tell you how many hours of sleep I had or what I had for breakfast. Went to the doctors, didn't say I had a car accident three months later, tried to give me antidepressant tablets or go see a therapist at that time. I refused because at that time I also worked, it sounds really weird, but I worked in a pharmacy whilst I was studying journalism. Very strange. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I was seeing these things. I was like, no, I'm not depressed. What are you talking about? And then I go see another doctor the next day and say, okay, I've had a car accident. What should I do? She says, take time out, go into nature meditate and I'm like oh I know what meditation is kind of <laughs> but not but also do yoga and my mom taught me yoga from a young age she like had these like Rachel Hittleman books back in the 80s and so Whoa. I used to follow her as a child yeah so I was doing yoga from a young age as well but not the proper yoga but I was just following what my mom did <laughs> mm -hmm. but she was always like ground yourself ground yourself and I'd be like what are you talking about woman like ground yourself like you know when you're studying like journalism and you're running around you're just like yeah whatever mum you know <laughs> and so right. you know yeah I'm going on this journey of like trying to find myself and I get to 25 just before my 25th birthday I have a cancer scan I'm made redundant and I go to the hospital oh. and I hit and I'm like sat there like a like you know you have the victim like why me what have I done to deserve mm -hmm. this and I hear the words you created this and I was like what and there was nobody in the room and it literally was god universe whatever you want to call it high power talking to me i ignored it i get misdiagnosed i run out of the hospital and i hear it's time to heal and i just never look back i left a whole career in journalism i followed my path did so many different things that lended me like ended up in the role that i'm, I'm in now but even then when wow. i done deep work you know I've, it's 11 years i've been doing the inner work and <laughs> gets to 2015 running around like you said like business learning everything about business and like building everything up working with young people doing everything I possibly can and then uh my health goes downhill and I have a kidney problem but it takes Ugh. two years to find out I have a kidney problem still living in London 
energy is affecting me like you're saying like the energy and I don't know what's going on with me I, I go on stages speaking and then I'm collapsing don't know what's going on mm-hmm. find out I, have, I was born with a kidney defect two years later and have to have an operation there is a long story we could talk about this forever but basically in a short nutshell <laughs> all these darkness <laughs> things were happening to get to where I am now and I had to go through all these painful situations so I could help people to really understand their own past and their trauma so they could finally find the light in themselves. And I kid you not, it's the biggest blessing of my life being doing what I do because I help people now that have spent the whole life in trauma and they heal everything within four months or a, a five-hour oh. session that we do. But again, it's not me doing the work. I'm just guiding them like yourself. I guide them and then they do the work. And you know that's the power of when you go through darkness, you're able to help others into the light. And that is what you've been doing. And that's what I had to do as well, surrender. We both had to surrender into the light and really come back home to ourselves and use the tools that we grew up with that we'd forgotten. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to help guide people. It, 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 it was there. It was always there. But yeah, just... Oh my gosh. So yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. But I really want to talk to you about how how can you tell um sorry how can you tell when your chakras are out of balance and how can you heal that so let's talk a little bit about that but what i want to also um so okay so let's 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 preface that <laughs> so one of the things that you can tell about chakras being out of balance is it starts to give you little indicators and you don't have to know a lot. For me, yoga is best done when you keep it simple. Mm. So um, I think that people start to believe that you have to do some big thing to heal yourself, to get better. It is a challenging journey. It can be a long journey, yeah. but it also can be a very simple journey. And mm. so I think people psych themselves out and think it's going to be like, you know, I have to go do like three hours of yoga every day. Um, but the truth is, is like our chakras are these energy um, uh, like sites in our body. Right. And illness starts on a energetic level. So at first yeah. it starts like in these electrical impulses that are going on. So we have these like thoughts that are just these impulses and then the thoughts like um, kind of solidify and they start sending messages down through our bodies. And But even more subtle than the thoughts is like this energetic system that we have with the chakras. So most of the chakras, we have these seven different chakra centers and I'm not going to go into every single one because I think there's a lot of information that people can just like Google chakra and they can see all the different chakras and where they sit. But what I would like to say is that if you are noticing something physical in your body, then that's when you would want to go back and kind of look at the chakra that might be associated with it. So like mm-hmm. we were talking about, one thing is, um, there's two that are very common for people. I've been, people can relate to like, if you've ever, been crying or really emotional or really upset or you're in a fight with somebody or somebody's just like broken up with you and you're heartbroken and you try to say something and like it's like words are stuck in your throat we even have a term for that right the words are stuck in my throat yeah that right there is a perfect indicator and a, an easy way that most people relate to of like how you can know your chakra is stuck mm-hmm. so that is your throat chakra right? The energy got stuck in there. You're not able to speak your truth. You're not able to speak up. It's literally getting stuck in your throat. Mm. And so what we want to do is try to heal that and clear it out so that that does not then turn into more serious issues like thyroid, um, Hashimoto's, right? Thyroid cancer, um, sore throats. Oh, sore throats are a big one. I lose my voice actually quite a, quite often. You know what's interesting you say, and that. it's sorry, I was just going to say because yeah. often um, in my role, yeah. it is a balance between uh, me being authentic and vulnerable, and also respecting the position I'm in. So I get to found other outlets in which I get to express myself. So. Um, let's just say I'm in a staff meeting and something really difficult happened. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always get to just express it in that moment with my staff. And sometimes I will forget that then I have to go and spend some time with my husband and express it mm-hmm. because then what happens is I don't express anything. I don't say how I'm feeling and then it gets stuck in my throat and then I'll lose my voice. That's so interesting. So I'm not saying, saying I have to go spill it all over yeah. my staff. That would be inappropriate, right? Yeah. They, don't, they don't need to have me like venting all over them. <laughs> That's not my role in this organization, but I still do have to express myself and find the safe space to do that. Yeah. And so that's a perfect example. Another one is, um, you know how we say, like, I feel something in my gut. Yeah. Or like, I have a gut reaction to something and everybody knows that feeling like right there, like in your stomach where you're like, I feel yucky. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't feel good. Or you're trying to make a decision and you're like, I just, I can't do it. And often it'll, it'll manifest as like um, a stomach ache or just, you'll feel like this. Ugh, I, my gut feels really bad right now. Mm. That is a sign that also then, um, then this chakra is your solar plexus chakra is blocked. And so, um, so you need to, you know, kind of do different things to kind of uh, get the flow going again. And making sure that your, um, you know, your decision making, um, your self esteem, all of these things, control issues. God, so many control issues sit in our <laughs> solar plexus area. Uh, I can relate to that control issues. Um, so you want to make sure that you're like really working on that. Now, the nice thing is, is that um, the solution for clearing the energies. Um, can also be very simple. So there's a couple ways you can do it. Is when there are specific meditations that you can do and sound healings you can do um, that you can even like YouTube, hey, chakra meditation or, um, you know, Google something. But I say it's very intuitive. So I would say like, Um, particularly when we start talking about things like grounding, aromatherapy, stones and crystals, affirmations, things like that, to start um, realigning the electrical stuff in your system and also clearing these chakras. It's pretty easy. It's like, does a color resonate with you? Are you all of a sudden like, gosh, I just really want to like, you know, if you're sitting there looking at a bunch of stones, and there's one of a certain color that's really resonating with you, pull that up in Google and say, okay, which chakra would be green? Because this green stone is really jumping out at me and I really wanna hold this green stone. So that's part of like trusting our intuition and knowing that our bodies are have a built-in knowledge for healing themselves, we just have to trust. Um, another great one is aromatherapy right? You don't have to know all the things about every scent and what it's going to do and how it's going to work on your system. Just find the thing that smells good. And if you find the thing that smells good, chances are that's exactly what your body needs. And so just, you know, resonate and gravitate towards that smell, create that smell in your body, create that smell in your life. Um, And then another really simple one um, that takes virtually no effort, although a little bit more effort for those of us in cities, is grounding. Mm. And grounding yourself in nature is really important. So literally, you get to go to a park, take your shoes off, and just put your feet on the earth. And about 15 minutes of grounding can really just change all the electrical impulses in our system and really make sure that our energy is moving, um, you know, through all these chakras and everything in a really... um, uh, clear way. And that one's nice because you don't, you don't even have to know anything or do anything. All you got to do is just take off your shoes and put them on the earth. Like, uh, we were meant to, right. Yeah. Um, that's like a no brainer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so interesting with what you're saying. Cause like the throat chakra I I've noticed and, you know, when I worked in the pharmacy whilst I was studying, like so many people had coughs and colds and, you know, their throat was always aching and, certain people would come back for like lozenges and things like that. And, and, you know, I grew up with a lot of throat, throat, like colds and sore throats and stuff. And it was not until I started speaking my truth that it stopped happening. 
And I was like, yeah. whoa, like that is so powerful. And, and, you know, and I've noticed with women as well, a lot of the time they, they have a lot of coughs and colds is because they're holding back. But I know that's to do with people pleasing patterns and that's deeply rooted, that's generational. And we are at a time now that we're healing that. And so it's so important, like you said, to work with those chakras and the colors to help you to take your power back in certain areas that you weren't able to take your power back. Yeah. And as with anything, you don't have to make it really complicated. Like, you know, one of the magical parts about um, breathing that I love so much is it just takes 30 seconds, 30 seconds Mm. of deep three-part breathing to start to reverse the stress response. That's it. You just have to start changing something for like a set, like 30 seconds, minute. Uh, You know, yes, there's benefits in doing full yoga classes or, um, but one of the cool things about yoga and stress is like, as long as you do like, um, you know, a forward bending, backward bending, inversion and twist, Mm. you're actually going to get a huge amount of the stress relief benefits that a full yoga class would give you. It's not going to stretch you out. It's not going to make your muscles, you know, whatever. It's not going to work on your whole digestive system. But for the purposes of um, stress, anxiety, depression, starting to change um, your dopamine, your serotonin production, things like that, um, it can be as simple as like a minute or five minutes. It doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours long. Wow. Yeah. We are coming towards the end of the show. I've just got a few more questions. Um, okay. <laughs> it goes fast time. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah, like it's almost an hour. Like, where did that go? <laughs> I know. It went so fast. Um, what are your five top tips for someone who wants to, like, accelerate their spiritual growth, but they don't really know where to start? So I would say, um, you know, sit quietly. That's a That's a beautiful place to start. Just sit quietly, be, be quiet. Uh, you don't even have to know how to meditate. Although I do think um, choosing a simple mantra, these mantras are, um, you know, grounded in really ancient practices. So just something as simple as OM, which is sort of the, the universal vibration, and just then start repeating to yourself OM, being aware of your breath, right? Breath is life, breath is so important to us. Mm. And then starting to, um, one of the beautiful things that we practice in in yoga is called pratipakshabhavana. And this is mm. replacing negative thoughts with positive ones. Mm. Such a simple practice, but very powerful and can have huge effects in your day, how you feel about yourself, um, how you even manifest the world around you. Because we now, you know, understand and again, even science is proving that we have a lot more influence on the world around us than we, um, you know, Western tradition has traditionally said we do. So Pratipakshabhavana basically means you take a negative thought and then you turn it into a positive. So let's just say you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh God, I look awful. You're going to switch that around. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to think it's true the magic of this exercise will do the work for you all you have to do is look in the mirror and say uh stop i look wonderful Hmm. it's that simple and you just start practicing that every time you see a negative thing arise um that person is so stupid uh stop that person is brilliant Hmm. And it really just something so simple. And again, there is science behind this, but it's a practice that is, you know, these yogis 5,000 years ago knew can transform your life. So for me, I think like starting with just really simple, doable things, like some people say like meditate for 30 minutes, three times a day. I'm like, meditate for three minutes. If you can get three minutes of meditation, and again, don't force yourself. Do things that feel good. Like if it feels bad, I'm not saying if it feels challenging, that's different than bad. Mm. Right? So it's okay for things to feel good. It's okay for us to do things that feel pleasant. And um, sometimes we misconstrue that for things that we think are pleasant because they give us a certain reaction in our brain, like eating a donut feels really pleasant in that moment and it is 
but it helps to understand why it feels pleasant Mm. because of what's happening chemically in our brain. And then when we start realizing like, oh, I can do get the same reaction Mm. from holding my breath in different Mm. areas. So um, sometimes when you hold on the inhalation, you get a certain reaction. And sometimes when you hold on the exhalation, you'll get a different reaction. And so you actually can change what's happening in your brain just by how you're breathing. And believe it or not, it's a lot easier to do than eating a donut. Um, And don't get me wrong. I still eat donuts. I love donuts. Um, But I also know that if I eat too many donuts, I'm not going to feel great afterwards. So, but with breathing, I never don't feel great. Mm. And I get the same reaction because I can boost my dopamine by breathing in a certain way rather than just eating a donut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One more. (laughs) Sure. So the last one is um, be kind to yourself. Mm. Right. Um, They, we are born on this planet with one, one thing. We will leave this planet with ourselves. Everything in between is a bonus. But at the, end of the day, ultimately, your one responsibility that God brought you into this uh, God universe, whatever higher power brought you into this world with is you. And the one responsibility you will have and the thing that you will leave with at the end of this life is you. Mm. So that means your soul, your mind, your body. Um, And so remember that to just constantly be like, Um, We want to serve other people. We want to serve our children, our spouses. We want to take care of everybody else's joy and happiness and emotional well-being. Um, And often we forget that ultimately our one responsibility is our own selves. Mm. And for me, the first place to start is by being kind. Like years ago, I started practicing this again, using the Pradipaksha Bhavana when the negative thought would come up. just saying to myself, like, would you say that to your best friend? Mm-hmm. Would you say that to your boyfriend? Would you say that to your mom? Whoever it is, would you say that to your dog? Whoever it is that you love most in life? Don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to them. And if it does come up, immediately reframe it in using the turning the negative into a positive. Oh, that's beautiful. And what are you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? Oh, that's a difficult one. I love gratitude. (laughs) (laughs) I guess because I'm in this moment with you girls, I'm going to say you right now. Oh, bless you. (laughs) Oh, bless you. And what shines your inner light? What shines my inner light? Um, I think for me, it is definitely my connection with my guru. I Mm. think having a guru and a teacher um, and that guru disciple relationship is really beautiful. And I feel very blessed to have that. Um, and so for me, that really, uh, yeah, that really lights me up. And, and in my moments when I'm struggling, I feel very fortunate. And that doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a guru. Like if somebody else is like, oh, I don't have a guru. Um, mm. It can be any teacher for you. So many people find that in Jesus. Many people find it in um, reading poetry of a great poet right or great literature or art you can find that wherever it is but for me particularly it comes through my my direct connection with my spiritual teacher oh that's beautiful thank you thank you for rather for being on the show and really like coming back home to yourself and showing people that anything is possible and that with the right tools and the right support we can get through anything in life Thank you for having me. This was really delightful and it was great hearing about your story too. It's always wonderful to meet um, fellow travelers in this journey to uh, self-awareness and self-love and joy. What an amazing episode with Radha. It's so, so important to allow ourselves to, to surrender and listen to whatever we're feeling. Remember, when we feel, deal, then we heal our trauma. When we allow ourselves to go in the deepest, darkest wounds of ourselves, we then finally set ourselves free. We allow ourselves to not be judged. We allow ourselves not to feel ashamed. We allow ourselves to just be who we're meant to be in that moment. 
And when we feel our emotions, we can finally set ourselves free and we can finally move forward with a different story for ourselves and what we went through. You know, we have every moment to take our power back, but it's all down to us. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. If you're struggling to transform trauma and learn to trust yourself so you can powerfully move forward in your life, I do have two programs which can help you. And you can learn more about this at girdshandle.com. And you can click a link where you can fill out a complimentary form and you can speak to me 45 minutes and we can see how we can help you to really take your power back and really live the life that you're here to live and meet your highest self. And also, I want to leave you with this quote. When things get tough and our body starts to react, we need mindfulness to reset our internal North Star. That's a quote by George Mumford. Take care, my sisters. Bye. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at girdshandle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. Lit.